We'll now begin the push-up section. Ready? Begin. What is going on, guys? Welcome to episode four of the Keel Pro Dynasty Show. I'm your host, Caleb, and today we have part two of the free agency recap. So once again, there's a ton of news since the last podcast, a lot to cover. But first, we've got to introduce our guest for this week. A web.com dynasty champion, Scouts Elite member, tight end streaming god, and spreadsheet extraordinaire, we've got (laughs) Josh Reen in the house. What's up? What's up, Caleb? Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, Long time listener, uh, first time caller. <laughs> That's <laughs> <But no>. hilarious. <laughs> um, I appreciated you having me on. Um, there's been so much going on, and it's going to be nice to go through it with you. Yeah, a lot to go over, and it's obviously it's great to have you on here. I know you're a big numbers analytics guy as well, so that's nice to have a little input on, but. Like I said, lots to cover, so let's hop right into it. So this week we've got Hunter Henry, Kenyon Drake, and Will Fuller all joining new teams, but we start today with wide receiver Corey Davis signing a three-year, $37 million deal with the New York Jets. We talked about him on the last pod with Dan. What do you think of Corey Davis moving over to New York? I really am conflicted with this one. Um, like Keeping in mind that he's going to be the Jets aren't going to be necessarily the Jets of old this coming year. Um, there's going to be presumably a new QB coming in with their second overall pick. So him getting paired with that new guy is somewhat exciting, but it felt like a, a redundant uh, wide receiver for them to get with Mims being there. Um, mm-hmm. I really question what his role is going to be like aside from Mims. Um, but but like, cause Corey Davis is definitely better suited as that number two. So, um, if they're going to lean in at him as the number one and Mims takes a back seat, like this could spell trouble for that rookie QB, but, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how they're deployed. Yeah. I think I sort of see him as that wide receiver two role as well. We'll see if Denzel Mims takes that step up, step up this year. And I'm with you. It sort of just feels like a lateral move, um, maybe a slight bump in value. Maybe they'll use him more. Um, last season, he had five 100-yard games and 14 games played, which was the best of his career. But he also had four other games where he had three lesser, t- three or less targets. So it was risk-reward with Corey Davis last season. And you have to hope if, if he's going to New York and they hopefully get another quarterback that maybe this will be the boost for his career that he needs, a nice change of scenery. Right. You hope for like with the the Jets, like really uh, prioritizing, like getting more options in that offense that they'll be at least at a little more pass heavy than what the Titans were. So maybe there's more opportunities there for him, but it's, it's really going to depend with Corey Davis because you never know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, exactly. All right. On to the next one. We have a former Titan. Well, we had a former Titan. Now we have a new Titan. Bud Dupree, five years, 85 million. Uh, We talked about him uh, on an earlier pod. He had good numbers, but he had, it was only linebacker eligible and he didn't have that tackle floor to lean on. So now going to Tennessee, I feel like you just got to hope he gets defensive line eligibility. What do you think about this move? Yeah, he really needs that D lineman eligibility. And it's kind of confusing how he doesn't uh, with like TJ essentially playing a similar role to him and not having that same designation. But uh, um, I'm excited to see him paired up with Harold Landry. Uh, Last year, Harold Harold Landry played like some ridiculous amount of steps, like for an edge defender, like something like 90% of the defensive line stats. He really, really didn't have any like substantial like production. Um, but, uh, like hopefully you get these guys in a rotation and they can like kind of aid each other and get kind of boost those sack totals. I am excited for like the Harold Landry aspect of it. Um, they both kind of seem like compliments to each other rather than like one's going to dominate the other. Yeah. I was thinking sort of the same thing and you bring up a good point. He was playing a ton of snaps there and we didn't really see the production, but they didn't have anyone to really offset him on the other side. Um, So Bud Dupree coming in, 
Well, Harold Lander, I believe, gets the defensive line eligibility, so possibly Dupree comes in on the other side and gets that. But I think this is I think I agree. It's this is beneficial for Harold Landry. Hopefully we see a step up when they're not weighing on him so much. And Bud Dupree put up good numbers this past season. So this is a guy that could possibly get a nice little boost going in the next season. Next one, we talked about the Saints quarterbacks last time. Jameis Winston, one year, $12 million deal. Um, I'd like to see your thoughts on the Saints passing quarterback situations. I've heard some things that might be a possible timeshare between um, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. What do you think? I've seen that same stuff, but uh, when Drew Brees went down last year, Jameis really only came in initially when Drew Brees went down, but Every game since that, it was the Taysom Hill show. So it that kind of makes me makes me believe that Taysom's gonna be the guy, but and Jameis is more of like a a security like plan, um, sure. like the best backup available essentially. But man, I would just so much rather Jameis take the wheel, um, both for just like entertainment value <laughs> as well as like Jameis is gonna like has shown that he can like produce multiple fantasy viable options in the offense where Taysom kind of, kind of nerfed everybody except Michael Thomas last year. Yeah. Jameis is definitely the exciting option uh, in game and for fantasy. We saw what he's, what he's done before. Um, I feel like Taysom's probably the safer bet for them, but uh, I'm with, I'd rather see Jameis Winston out there quarterback for the saints. And how about a former saint Trey Hendrickson, Defensive lineman, four years, $60 million deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a big payday. And he's an interesting player because he short, sort of came out of nowhere last season, but he tied Aaron Donald in sacks with 13 and a half on 200 less snaps. So if he gets a big workload this year, he could be in for a big season. What are your thoughts on Trey Hendrickson? Yeah, just an absurd pay, payday for a guy that was kind of like an unknown third round pick just a few years ago. Um, just his production came out of nowhere and um intensity i don't necessarily like hate the situation but it's definitely not like the same as what's going to be in new orleans where you have cam jordan on the other side granted they have sam hubbard there and Mm -hmm. he's a decent player in his own right but he's not going to draw that same attention that cam hayward brings on a daily basis and um they had carl lawson leave so yeah like i it was kind of an interesting exchange there. Uh, if it were me, I'd definitely probably prefer the Carl Lawson, who's more of a pass rushing specialist when it comes to like team building. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting what they do with their edge rushers. I mean, they have they have Hubbard and Hendrickson, and they're sort of. I just don't see them as like elite guys. I think these guys are both average, above average players, and they paid Hendrickson big time, and. Mm-hmm. The thing with Hendrickson, his problem last year was he had five games where he scored three or less points, and that's because he wasn't just he just wasn't getting the tackle numbers over that stretch with the lesser snap counts than a lot of defensive linemen out there. So that didn't help him. So that's why I'm thinking maybe if he gets the snap boost, it would help. But it's not as a formidable defensive line there in Cincinnati. So I could see more the same or worse. It's it's a tough call right now. All right. Ryan Fitzpatrick, one-year, $10 million deal with the Washington football team. This is interesting. He was solid in Miami, um, put up decent fantasy points and helped the team a lot. He should be the starter. He might battle with Heineke, who had that miraculous playoff game. But what are your thoughts on Fitzpatrick and maybe helping out uh, Terry McLaurin and now Curtis Samuel? Yeah, this is a really interesting signing. As, um Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of like the the opposite of what uh, Washington had last year, uh, like with between Alex Smith and God, who who knows all who else, like the four quarterbacks that all started for him last year. But uh, I I really like this for Terry McLaurin and um, just having that quarterback that just like has that like don't give a fuck factor and whipping yeah. it down the field to him. Um, but uh, two. Terry's like a guy who can consistently separate and um, mm-hmm. so you don't necessarily need those balls. So I really like this pairing between the two and um, it makes me wonder where Washington's going with the QB position in the future. But for now, it 
for Terry McLaurin, like if you liked him before, you got to like a more stable quarterback situation. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick was like the anti Tua. He he did not care. He would just go for it, and it worked more times than not. And I'm excited to bring that sort of mentality to Washington. Um, yeah, I think good news for McLaurin. Um, Fitzpatrick, he he could be a, he, last season when he played, he was startable as like a decent QB two. So now in Washington, where they have all these weapons they're putting together, Washington's going to be a fun team to watch next year. And it'll be interesting if they do end up, they, they got to find their quarterback of the future. So I'm not sure if they'll be able to get him this year without trading up, but maybe possibly a Mac Jones falls to them. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, Fitzpatrick um, definitely boosting Washington's offensive players there. Next up, Hunter Henry. So three-year deal to new England. And this pretty much goes back against everything me and Dan said about Johnny Smith. <laughs> The free Johnny Smith. They bring in Hunter Henry. Couldn't have seen this coming. Um, yeah, the the Patriots are going crazy right now, and now all of a sudden there's a lot of mouths to feed. And Cam isn't wasn't. I mean, last season he had under 20 attempts in almost half his games. That'll probably change now with the way they're shifting the offense. But what do you think about Hunter Henry to New England and how that affects his and Johnny Smith's value? Uh, this is just like such a a Bill Belichick signing, like he just hates fantasy football, hates like <laughs> uh, providing those consistent producers for us fantasy gamers. Um, it really does nerf like everybody in that offense. Like um, it really is going to be dependent on the week on who these, like who pops off for them, like in their game plan. Um, it is interesting in that you have that Gronk and Hernandez like archetypes mm-hmm. between the two. And it like also like showing like how much Bill wants this to happen. Like it's similar to what they drafted last year in Asiati and uh, Keen. Like those two were also in yeah. that same kind of one being a smaller utility uh, tight end with like the big tight end in Keen. But uh, mm-hmm. um. You know, with uh, Cam's history, like when he had his MVP season, like you had these small players on the outside and Cam was just feeding Olsen underneath. So yeah, that gives me hope that there's some utility to either of these two guys. It's just going to be a headache um, yeah. figuring out who, which one week to week. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Cam. He fed Olsen all those years. He had a ton of good season under him, but... Like we said, now we have these two tight ends here, and I think it's going to be probably a week-to-week thing where one guy might have a big game, score touchdowns, and the other guy doesn't get the whole slice of the pie. So, yeah, tough tough for Janu and Hunter Henry owners. I, it's what Bill Belichick did to you. Sorry. Um, but, yeah. Um, on to the next one. Leonard Williams, we talked about this guy getting franchise tagged a few, like a week or two ago, and now they're the Giants are giving a three-year, $63 million extension. So, obviously, they must believe in him. Like I said last time, he's he had, like, the quietest top five scoring defensive lineman season ever. Any thoughts on Leonard Williams going into next season? Um, It is exciting that, like, you can have this player stay put. Um, Just love that consistency year to year with these defensive players because when they change teams, it really is, like, a question of, like, what's this new coach going to do with them? But mm-hmm. you get the same team next year and uh like a underrated factor with Williams too is um Dalvin Tomlinson leaving who is just oh, like yeah. a, he just sucks up tackles in the middle so with him gone you'd still you would think some of those have got to naturally flow to Leonard Williams so um yeah it was a good week for him and yeah if he's out there on your waivers like I definitely there's definitely worse options for sure. I think yeah, you bring up a good point. Dalvin Tomlinson gone, so maybe that increases his tackle floor. Um, I mean, yeah, it'd be a good stash. Probably maybe you can go get him for a fourth if you believe in the talent. They obviously do. So, all right, another Giants one. We got John Ross, one-year deal with the Giants. And this feels like a last chance for John Ross. You know, he just can't stay healthy. He needs to stay healthy this season. A change of scenery. Um, 
is there anything left with John Ross? Is, does he, could he possibly finally do something or is it, is it over? I think it's over. Um, <laughs> it's just a awful fit with the giants. I feel like Danny doesn't have the, the arm to like kind of utilize his, his strengths or his strength, his speed. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it really is a question of like, what have all these years of, like these injuries piling up, like affected him. Um, and honestly in that offense too, like what kind of, like, even if he is a consistent starter, like just that, uh, that difference with Danny at quarterback, I don't see how he can really take advantage of that. You can maybe if he goes somewhere else, he has a quarterback that could elevate his game, but doesn't, I don't know if it really matches their style. I made a YouTube video a couple days ago where I highlighted every John Ross catch from last season. It lasted 14 seconds. He had two catches for 17 yards. So, uh, yeah, I'm done with John Ross. He's it's he's entering year five, and the highest he's ever finished in PPR is wide receiver 74. That's disgusting. Um, yeah, if, if anyone is all of a sudden thinking maybe they want to buy on John Ross, sell him. Sell him if you can. He might be on waivers right now. So, yeah, I think I think John Ross is finished. All right. Uh, how about another former Bengal? Andy Dalton, one-year deal with the Chicago Bears. I have one bullet point for this, and it's LMAO. Just as, a, <laughs> as NFC North fans, hearing the Russell Wilson rumors and Bears fans getting so excited just for them to go out and sign Andy Dalton was just perfect. I, I, I loved it. But um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, he's going to be the starter. They've got some weapons there. If Allen Robinson does play uh, thoughts on this deal. Yeah. Literally peak bears. Twitter was them finding out that Andy Dalton was coming. I loved how it was teased too that. Like you get all this Watson and uh, Wilson hype. And the day before it was like, Dalton's getting close to a deal and you just see Twitter like yeah. the Bears Twitter just slowly melt down. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um for the for the Bears like it really is like like best case and like bet like their best option really if mm. what they're offering wasn't interesting either of those two teams that it un- unfortunately is probably probably gets you in a better spot than what Nick Foles could get you, but yeah, it's still not good. <laughs> yeah, not much to say here fantasy-wise either. Um, just thought it was funny that it happened. <laughs> Another low-key quarterback deal, just brush with this one. Tyrod Taylor, one-year deal with the Texans. It pretty much just seems like an insurance plan for the Texans if they do trade away to Sean Watson. There are these allegations um, that you can't really speculate about right now, so... Maybe Tyrod Taylor is worth a, a stash and super flex if something if he does get traded or something happens with that. But any thoughts there? Yeah, uh, a stash if anything. Um, Tyrod has proven that he can put up decent fantasy production whenever he's in the game with um, how he uses his legs. And um, unfortunately, that Houston doesn't really have a ton of weapons for him to use. <laughs> so. It's really just if Watson doesn't play, it's just going to be a just an awful situation for that whole offense as a whole. So he could give you serviceable QB weeks, but it's between those, it's going to be awful. Yeah, I'm envisioning the Texans rolling out David Johnson and Mark Ingram at running back, Tyrod Taylor uh, quarterback. With who do you have left at receiver? Will Fuller's gone. We'll talk about that. They got uh, Brandon Cooks. Oh, yeah. Oh, Cooks, and, wow. Cooks and Cobb. Hell, yeah. Texans <laughs> Super Bowl 2021. There you go. All right. <laughs> Marvin Jones, a wide receiver here. Two years, $14.5 million deal with the Jaguars. This is one of the more, probably one of the most underrated performers as a receiver these past few seasons. Nine touchdowns in three of the last four seasons. He finished as a wide receiver, too, this past season. Uh, what are your thoughts on Marvin Jones going to Jacksonville? Is this is this a decent slide over to to the Jags? Yeah, I think this is a like a excellent fit for Marvin. Um, with Trevor Lawrence coming in, um, 
you know, he can like Marvin Jones like makes his makes his fantasy production with those deep plays, and Trevor Lawrence can definitely like utilize that weapon in the offense. Um, I gotta ask you, have you seen like the rumors that Chark is being like in a possible trade deal with the Ravens for? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that, and I don't, I don't. I don't know if it's legit. We I heard that like well that was like a week ago and now nothing's happened still. But if that did happen, Marvin Jones to the moon. I mean, my gosh. No kidding. And that like Marvin Jones is in that same realm of Shark, so yeah. it really like got me questioning at least like is this more than than what it was like led to believe a few weeks ago or Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I think if he doesn't leave, he'll still slot in really nicely. Um, Keelan Cole left. He went to the Jets. And I think it'd be a nice three-wide receiver group there with Chark, um, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault. And you add Trevor Lawrence to the equation, James Run- Robinson in the backfield. That's a nice little offense right there. <clears throat> yeah, de- definitely. Um, if anything, like they're given those uh, Lawrence's weapons, and he can really have a a decent season out of the get-go. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, we'll cover Lawrence in the future as we lead up to the draft here. But, okay, on to a smaller deal here. We have Malcolm Brown running back to the Miami Dolphins. And maybe a little bit of good news for Gaskin owners. Um, they might still, they probably will still get another running back. But something for, for those owners to notice, he was an annoying player for Acres owners last season. It might be the same sort of deal this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Dolphins running back situation? Yeah, that same thing. Um, Malcolm really was just that thorn in the side of Acres, like trying to get his chance. Um, Malcolm's just a steady three yards, a whip <laughs> at the running back and you'll just question every week, uh, especially if they bring in that rookie running back. Um, he's a dependable third down back and like really can limit whoever they bring in. But uh, at the very least, it's got to make you feel a little bit better as a Gaskin owner. Um, just yeah, if, if they don't um, make another move, like, right. You'd think that this has got to protect the team from signing a James Connor or, Leonard yeah. Fournette, um, you really can't see him doing that after they signed Malcolm Brown. So it really is going to be rookie or or Gaskins show <laughs> come 2021. Yeah, it'll be interesting to monitor there. Uh, one year deal, Emmanuel Sanders to Buffalo, and this dampers the Gabe Davis hype a bit. But I think if if you're a believer in Gabriel Davis, uh, this isn't a huge deal. It might eat into his targets a little bit. But Emmanuel Sanders is 34. I think he was wide receiver 40-something this past season. What are your thoughts on Sanders to Buffalo and how that might affect um, the receiver room there? Uh, It's a really interesting pairing with Stephon Diggs. They're kind of like in a similar role. but Yeah. Sanders has had his bout with injuries and um, unfortunately I think it is going to be a year away for Davis. Um, uh, I don't see how they, they kind of split the time between those two. I think it's really going to be his job to have and unless um, he does get banged up during the season. So you think Sanders enters as that, that second receiver to Diggs with is Beasley still in the slot? Right. Beasley in the slot, yeah, I I think so honestly. Um, Gabe okay. had his like had his moments last year, but uh, I think they really are thinking as Sanders is like getting that attention away from Diggs kind of guy. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, and they are sort of in that same player role. I still, if if people are down on this. Uh, Davis because of this I think I'd I'd go snatch him up you might might not be getting the production you hoped a few days ago but a solid depth piece for you with upside in a Bills offense that I'm not sure if we've even seen the peak yet of so definitely hopping to another one here this one hurt Jamal Williams two-year deal with the Lions um we're all big jamal williams guy all the scouts elite guys we we were big fans of him and then we got to drafted the packers 
uh, a dependable running back. Uh, now his two-year deal with the Lions. I guess for for fantasy purposes, you got to ask, how is this going to impact Swift? And you're a Swift owner in our league. What do you think about this deal, Jamal to the Lions? Um, honestly, I I kind of liked it. Um, I don't I don't see Jamal taking over that passing down work, which is ultimately what I was worried about with this offseason. Um, kind of having a feeling that with Adrian Peterson leaving, they're gonna need like a body to fill in there. So I'm okay with Jamal taking over some of like that that grinding role in the offense mm-hmm. and letting Swift get more of the valuable touches. Yeah, I wouldn't it's, it's I don't know if it's great for Swift, but I mean we saw with how Aaron Jones did with Jamal as the second back there. It didn't really affect him fantasy wise at all and I feel like it'll be the same thing here. He's not going to take a huge part of Swift's work workload, but he'll he'll get those grinded out yards that that team needs. But uh, if people are starting to sour on or are worried with Jamal um, coming to Detroit, I'd try and snatch Swift up while you can because he's he's in for a big season coming up here. Okay, next one. This is a smaller one, but a guy I wanted to touch on: Nicholas Morrill linebacker coming back to the Las Vegas Raiders on a one-year deal. So this is one of those waiver wire guys I liked last season. And the, the, the Raiders linebacker job was sort of up in the air for the first eight weeks or so with they signed Corey Littleton and he didn't do anything. They had Nick Kwiatkowski who was all right. And then Nick, Nicholas Morrow enters the fold and he averaged 16 points per game in our IDP uh, scoring as a starter down the stretch. And that was with, he had an inactive weeks, 15 and 16, cause he was hurt and he came back and had 10 tackles and a sack. Plus he has DB eligibility. So they're bringing him back. Obviously they, they may go that direction in the, in the draft, but any thoughts on this Raiders linebacker room? I, it, I have like my concerns, like from a football standpoint with the Raiders and how they're building their football oh, yeah. team. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, he really was like the lone linebacker that they signed last year that was um, giving you any kind of production. Um, they also brought in uh, Ro- Roquan Davis from the Dolphins okay. via trade earlier this offseason. So there's just so many bodies to be through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of names. And uh, um, fortunately, I th- I do feel like he's the one of their best options. Um, you really hope that it's uh, him and Kwiatkowski uh, yeah. in that starting role. And if he keeps that DB eligibility, like, oh my gosh, there are definitely worst, like worst, like wire players that you can snag somebody snag up cheap. Yeah. He's a solid stash and a hold right now. We'll, we'll know probably pretty early in the next season, whether that was just a, a half a season wonder or, if he's actually going to put up decent numbers, because even if he would have been a linebacker, he was putting up good numbers. And with that eligibility, that helps a lot. So I was wondering, I know you sold Corey Littleton after he left the Rams. What was your, what was your plan there? Was there something you saw that you didn't think he was going to have that production again? Or what, what was your thought process on selling Littleton after he got moved? It really was the team change that, uh, that scared me away from him. Um, Again, once these players change teams, it really is like up to the new uh, scheme that they uh, come into that uh, like just leaves a lot of questions. And also mm-hmm. um, the Rams are one of the, like the most IDB, IDP friendly teams like in the league. Yeah. Um, you see last year with who did they have? Com- like, God, I, I can't Eagle Bomber. Yeah. Ecobomb come in and it would be a different uh, guy every week who would come into that linebacker role and put up huge numbers. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Troy reader was a name that came in and got 16 tackles. Um, yeah, it was just something that I noticed that their team just gets an absurd amount of tackles each week. And with that team change and along with him leaving the Rams specifically was something that I wanted nothing to do with and saw a sell high opportunity. 
yeah, that's that's good insight and something for people if you're playing IDP to, to pay attention to. Changes on defense can really affect player value and what they put out, and it's it's hard to know exactly what you're getting into with one of those players. So if you want to get out on a guy that you're not sure on the talent on, like maybe a little tin, that's it's a good move, and it worked out for you. So yeah, definitely. All right, another one, John Brown, one year deal with the Raiders. I think this is pretty much he's going to take that Nelson Aguilar role. That that was flex worthy at times. Um, any thoughts with John Brown on the Raiders? Um, the only thing that I could think of is like how bad of a fit it is, like between him and Ruggs being those deep threats and the oh, Raiders yeah, true. Uh, giving away all of their offensive linemen, like it really <laughs> like just doesn't, it's going to be tough to throw deep when you have no, nobody protecting car. Also, um, to me, it just signals more that. Waller is going to be the focal point of that oh offense gosh, again. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, John Brown, probably not on your fantasy radar that much. He'll probably get hurt. And we'll talk about what the Raiders are doing a little later with the deal they made. But yeah, they're not in a great place right now. So, okay. A tight end in Tennessee. He's coming back. Anthony Ferks here, one year deal. Uh, this could be a good thing for, for Ferkser's value. He, the Janu left, uh, Corey Davis left. They don't really have any other receivers besides AJ Brown. Could we see a solid season out of Anthony Ferkser in a tight end landscape that's pretty not good at all? <laughs> right. Yeah, he is definitely going to be somebody that uh, you're going to want to pick up. Um, he was decently productive whenever Janu was out last year. Had a handful of uh, high target games, like a ten. 10 target week, nine target week. And um, really is probably their second best receiving option this year. Um, he's still decently young too. So um, if they give him a chance, hopefully there's no one uh, coming in, in the draft that like takes like snaps away from him. But I feel like he's going to be the established guy at the tight end position. Yeah, and with where, like I said, with where the tight end landscape is at, uh, a guy with that kind of possible target upside is a guy you should be looking at acquiring. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd be paying a whole lot for him, but if he's available, um, you got to take your shots with these tight ends, and this is a guy who could be could be the main tight end in Tennessee. So, okay, Carl Lawson, we talked about the Bengals defensive lineman earlier. He leaves and signs a three-year deal with the Jets. He was an interesting player last year. You didn't hear a whole lot about him, but he led the league in quarterback hits with 31. Um, he only had five and a half sacks, but uh, going into that solid defense, the Jets are making a lot of great moves. I feel like this is a guy you could be looking at um, to possibly start in your lineups next season. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, just lived in the backfield last season and in that solid defense and he said it himself that that's the reason why he's a New York jet. Um, so, you know, he's been told good things about what his role is going to be next year and really could definitely be a, a better situation for him. Yeah. And if your league scores quarterback hits, he was, like I said, he had 31 led the league. So he's a weapon in that regard. You got to think the sacks will start to come for him. They got Quinn and Williams in the middle as well. So, uh, he might be available on waivers some places. I mean, you could, if you would get him for a fourth, I'd, I'd take it a shot. It's probably a guy you don't want to go into the season as a starter, but someone on your bench that might be able to step up and have a big year. Yeah, definitely. And um, to that too, I feel like that's just, it's not super common that you have this many QB hits with the, the few set sa- or sacks that he had, yeah. like, that's definitely going to like regress back and he'll definitely score more of those bigger points point games for you. Yeah. I believe it as well. A good target. If you need a defensive lineman help depth. Okay. Another bangle, AJ green, one year deal with the Cardinals. Does he have anything left in the tank? Uh, It's an interesting fit in Arizona, but he's had just one top 10 season in the last five years. So you think AJ Green could still do a little something for fantasy owners? I don't know how he fits in this 
uh, Arizona offense. Like at this point of his career, I don't see how anything he does is any better than what they already have there. And like AJ Green was probably the worst. He got over a hundred hundred uh, targets last year and caught forty seven balls. He is like one of the worst <laughs> on a per target basis in the league. So I have no idea if, like, maybe it was just a pure um, culture change that he needs, a new team, new AJ, but uh, definitely didn't do anything to give you any confidence going into this year. Yeah, I don't know either. It That, that catch rate wasn't great. Um, they've got Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't, I don't know how he really fits in that way. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'm I'm pretty much out on AJ Green. It'll be fun to watch. I do hope he, maybe we see some flashes of old, but it just seems kind of like it's it's over. All right, we got another one. Marlon Mack resigned by the Colts, and I think this, I mean, his value is pretty much done. I don't really think this does a whole lot to JT. Um, maybe it hurts Naheem Hines, who, who had some solid games this year, but I don't know. I think Marlon Mack's value is pretty much pretty well diminished what do you think yeah back when he was like fantasy viable like he wasn't a big tackle breaker he wasn't a big receiving back like he really just was the beneficiary beneficiary of the Colts offensive line just being super dominant and he had the speed to take advantage of those giant holes but now with JT in that backfield and um I feel like Naheem's going to continue to be that receiving option. Like he's probably, Mm -hmm. especially coming off the Achilles injury too. It's, it's probably just going to be depth if anything. (laughs) Yeah. And he's probably just going to be depth on your dynasty teams as well. Um, I don't even know what you can, you can hold on to him see what happens the first couple of weeks, but it, it's, he just doesn't fit into that backfield at all. Hines is the receiver and JT's the one, two pounder. So yeah, R.I.P. Marlon Mack. <laughs> Jayon Brown, a one-year deal with the Titans, linebacker. I was kind of surprised he didn't get a longer deal. I'm guessing it's because it's the season-ending injury he had, but he's another. He's an underrated linebacker. He averaged over 12 points per game when he was healthy, thinking more of the same this season in Tennessee. I sure hope so. Um, I've always been a big Jayon Brown fan. Um, racks up the tackles and mix in mixes in those some big plays here and there but uh i'm hoping that this one year deal is really just uh something that shows a little bit of confidence with him in the organization that they're hoping to bring him back and reclaim that starting role um yeah it's just a tough deal with that acl though yeah um I, I expect probably more of the same here. Uh, average double-digit points uh, per game each of the last three seasons. He got hurt. Rashawn Evans um, didn't really get a boost out of that. Um, we maybe Who was it? David Long got a little run as well. But they just couldn't put up the production that J.M. Brown did. So I think he's a the, the general of this defense. And I, he's a solid LB2 for you. If you have him on your team, it's a guy you can probably rely on week to week as long as that ACL is good to go. All right, next one, tight end Gerald Everett, a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks. So I you got to think he's sort of taken over that tight end group, which did nothing last year. I think they had Hollister and Disley. He's sort of that athletic receiving type. He um, obviously was sharing time with Higby in, in L.A., do you think maybe we could see Gerald Everett a little more of a breakout this year at the Seahawks, or is he uh, sort of a replaceable level player? I'm hopeful in that offense. Um, when he's had his opportunity to be the the pure tight end one for the offense uh, without any competition, he's had some big weeks. Um, back in 2019, he had like three straight weeks of 10-plus targets, and um, – I'm hopeful it's really going to be just dependent on the Seahawks offense as a whole. They have shown time and time again that regardless of how good their receiving options are, they're going to be focused on running the football. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really going to be the thing that limits him. 
Yeah, I think this is a good boost for him just because he had his opportunity capped with the Rams. Uh, I think he should be able to take over the tight end room. But, yeah, it's tough to say whether he's really going to – I'm not expecting him to take a huge leap this season, but he's a guy with upside that you can take a look at if you've been holding. You're probably happy with this move. On the other side, you've got Higby possibly being the guy there with the Rams. Uh, he had that three-touchdown game in week, week two, and there was a lot of hype building. Just didn't really do much besides that. Uh, we might see Bryce Bryson Hopkins take sort of the Everett role, so maybe it doesn't matter that much. They do get Matt Stafford in town, which helps, but what are your thoughts on Higby and uh, the Rams tight end in the room now? Yeah, definitely excellent for Higby. Uh, he's going to be like the sole tight end in that room. Um I really do believe in like if he has like the full snap share of that tight end position that he definitely is going to kind of return to his hot end of 2019 and um like he's flashed so maybe in your league he's kind of like the forgotten about tight end like I could definitely see yeah buying low like there's definitely worse flyers at tight end than Higby yeah. Yeah, and a guy with upside. We've seen him have those big games before, so a bump for him. It'll be we'll see if he can get back to form. Okay, big one here. Another wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, three year deal with Washington. We've seen how they, they added Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ron Rivera has experience with him. He's had improvement every year since entering um the league. So are you excited for Curtis Samuel in Washington? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Fitzpatrick going there too. Um, uh, he's like a Matt Harmon favorite, like just wins consistently on his routes and really has never had that person that can hit him consistently down the field. So I'm excited for this change for him. Um, love what the Redskins are doing. And you think as a whole, that offense has improved so much. I It really like bodes well for Antonio Gibson uh, yep. with, uh, more maintained drives, more red zone opportunities. Like this whole offense as a whole has been elevated so much with what they've been done so far. Yeah, I love what they're doing as well. Curtis Samuel, a nice boost. We'll see how they utilize him in different ways. And I agree it, it, that even with Fitzpatrick coming there, it's it's opening up more opportunities for McLaurin and Gibson. So yeah, good good spot for him. Okay, next one, Hassan Reddick. Defensive lineman, edge rusher, one-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. He was sort of an under-radar uh, guy as well. He had 12 and a half sacks and six forced fumbles this season. Had to sort of take over the Chandler Jones role after he got hurt. That is buoyed a bit by a five-sack, three-forced fumble performance against the Giants, which was just a crazy game. But he he has the Matt Rule connection from back in college. Got to think he'll know how to utilize him. Uh, they have Brian Burns there. Who's, who's probably a rock on one side of the line, is this going to affect, and I looked it up, it's, uh, God, I have Utor Gross, Ma, Utor Gross Matos, Matos. Does that affect his value at all on that side, or what, what do you think of this signing? Um, it really does. I think this is a big concern for Gross Matos. Um, I really do feel like Hassan comes in and uh, – lines up opposite opposite of Brian Burns. Uh, Brian Burns just really is becoming a stud. Uh, again, was a high, not big uh, sack guy, but had one of the most highest QB hits this year. It was constantly causing uh, QB pressure. And uh, now you add in Hassan, who, um, l- looking at him, he was somebody admittedly that I didn't pay a lot of attention to this year and was like, you would see that he was like top 10 in the league at linebacker. And it was all like from that five sack game. Mm -hmm. He, uh, so just kind of dismissed that, like, Oh, that's just inflated. But looking back, like he has been, had some decent tackle totals throughout the years. So, um, yeah, I'm excited with not only Burns, but their uh, round one draft pick last year, Brown, uh, eating up bodies on the inside. It 
could be a really good situation for him. Yeah, it's been an interesting path to where Hassan Reddick got here because he started out as sort of a linebacker, was not fantasy relevant at all for like two or three years there, and then they sort of shifted him over to pass rusher. When Chandler Jones got hurt, he was like that permanent guy there, and it's an interesting situation there in Carolina. I agree. Brian Burns, I think he's on the cusp of becoming one of the the top pass rushers in this league and in IDP, slowly closing in on that top tier. Um, and it's tough for, for Matos. I mean, he was on the opposite side of that, and he had just two and a half sacks in 12 games. So Burns was pretty much doing that all on his own. Obviously, Derek Brown helps a lot in the middle. He's a beast. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Hassan Reddick's probably going to assume more of that starting role on the other side. And these guys could could possibly wreak havoc in Carolina. I like what they're doing on that defensive line. All right. This is one that was uh, Josh Josh Jacobs owners are not feeling well. It's Kenyon Drake, a two-year deal with the Raiders. Like I said, Josh Jacobs owners are ill. Kenyon Drake owners probably don't feel that great. Raiders fans in general are in disarray right now with what, what they're doing with this team. Um, I don't think Kenyon Drake is that good, but he's going to eat into Jacobs targets and, and such. Um, I just don't really understand the move. What are your thoughts with this one? Yeah, same thing. Just a disgusting thing for fantasy and Josh Jacobs owners. Um, this Not alone is it just like going to eat into his opportunity. It feels so much like a John Gruden sighting where he saw something in Drake and wants to like feature this guy in his offense for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, not only that, they re-signed Theo Riddick. So (laughs) like just Josh Jacobs owners for so long have been hoping for that target share, target share to increase. Mm -hmm. And unfortunate with the, Lee with these two like it's not going to get any better no it's not going to get better and what they've lost guys on the offensive line so you got to think this offensive line is going to be worse this season so when Josh Jacobs is running the ball it's going to be harder for him all around just a tough scenario for for everyone involved with that one but on the flip side does this possibly open uh something for Chase Edmonds I know Cliff Kingsbury said he thought Chase Edmonds could take the full role I got to think they're bringing in another running back, either free agency or through the draft, but Chase Edmonds unleashed possibly. Uh, yeah, I'm with you too. I, I, I don't see a scenario where they go into the season with Chase as their lead back. I know Cliff recently had said that Chase Edmonds can be a RB1, but that's the same Cliff that went out and declared Josh Rosen as their QB1 <laughs> for the season. Yeah. So. The second he said that, it just kind of, kind of made you wonder if, like, it's not gonna, not gonna happen. I there's so many the top tier running backs really do fit well with that offense, as like being uh, guys that do well in space. So yeah, it really. As a chase owner, I'm I hope I'm wrong, and he's like the focal point of that offense. But I'm trying to temper expectations yeah are you are you holding him right now or do you think this is i mean for some people this might be a nice sell opportunity because people think he's getting that bell call role he's on the block for sure um yeah it really does take that one person that believes in the talent um but for me over the years like holding him for this long like you've seen the flashes and he'll have like those big boom weeks mm-hmm. he'll be the rb1 for a week and then either get banged up or take a back seat to the original starting running back as soon as they're healthy so um whatever he's doing it's not giving the coach the confidence that they need to to feature him yeah i'd be selling him too he's a guy i like coming out of college and i like his game i just don't see it being a full full role there and i agree any of these top running backs in this offense would be so much fun. Like an ETN, Javante, and I mean, if Gainwell went here, he would get, would get a big boost. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be selling Edmonds, seeing what you get. There's a chance he gets that big role, but, um, yeah. Right. If he gets a big role, it's going to be like in a, like James White had a, like a top 10 running back season a few years yeah. ago. And 
that's going to be like how it comes. But um, that was something too, where he had his big season. And then he was just that bi-week fill in for the rest of his career. So that's really mm-hmm. going to be what I envision. If it does hit for him, it's, I don't see it being a long-term thing at all. Yeah. Okay. Quick one here. Mitch Trubisky to the bills. Uh, we talked last time there were some 49ers rumors where it maybe would have been interesting, but on the bills eliminates all value. He, 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 that, I mean, this is a good situation for him just because he could be a He is a good solid backup in this league, but uh, you, you can safely drop Mitch Trubisky now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Drop Trubisky for him. It's um, like he did have decent weeks last year and um like fantasy wise and he could definitely win games for you but this is definitely probably the better <laughs> suited role for him yep okay uh tight end again jared cook to the chargers uh so i thought cook was finished i thought he was sort of a, a thing of the saints offense but this is a nice offense to be in and i hope he didn't buy parham while the hype was very high because jared cook is now here so uh obviously not a great player but he still scored double digit points in over half of his games last this past season so he's not a glamorous guy but he could probably still be a a fill-in tight end for you at weeks yeah definitely it really does depend with him you'd think at this point of his career that on the matchup each given week but the signing really does kind of nerf anything parham's gonna do i don't see anything that he does that differentiates him from cook at all. So yeah, it's probably, <laughs> that's probably it for Parham season. Yeah. Maybe if you want a real buy low, a real dirty <laughs> sheet buy low. I mean, he, he's got the interesting measurables as measurables. He's, he's got interesting upside. Um, maybe you could get him as a throw him if you've got a room to stash him. Cause it's a nice offense to be in, but yeah, this season it probably isn't going to be it. Okay, last signing, and one of the big names off the board, Will Fuller, one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. And uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. If if two is the quarterback, that's a little scary because he refused to throw the ball deep last season, and that's kind of where Will Fuller eats people up. What do you think of Will Fuller in Miami? Uh, the same thing, that between or him and Tua just don't seem to – um, mesh in my opinion um hopefully like regardless he's going to be that uh wide receiver one which is like decent but yeah you gotta hope for uh, a year two uh progression from Tua to kind of hope that he repeated what he did last year um last year Will Fuller was playing out of his mind and yeah um it's going to be tough it's really the first time that we've like seen that consistently in a season for like an extended period. So for him to continue that again, I feel like it's going to be more of the same, what we have seen prior to this season with Will Fuller. That was tough. Cause we finally got to see a healthy Will Fuller and it was great. And then he got hit with a PED suspension and that was it. And now I, I, yeah, I don't like the, the, the fit with Tua if he can't figure out how to throw it downfield. Um, Will Fuller was having a great season. Um, on a points per game basis, he was the wide receiver six. So we're finally seeing it from him. But maybe this—I mean, maybe this will open things up for Tua. They didn't really have like great deep threats. Uh, Devontae Park. Well, who else did they have? Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. Did they have like a raw speed threat there? Uh, <sighs> Not unless you count. Jakeem Grant? <laughs> no, I don't count Jakeem Grant. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really... We'll have to see where Tua is at next season, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this one. And you have to remember also, just for your Will Fuller owners, that he will miss the first game of 2021 20, with that suspension. So, insult to injury there. <laughs> yeah, you hope um, with Tua that his product, or his performance was more due to his receivers just not getting any separation for him last year. So hopefully that's more of the cause rather than him being just tentative with the ball. Um, 
that you can still get some good weeks out of Will Fuller. Phil, Will Fuller going forward. All right. Last part here. We have a few notable releases to cover. We'll start with Adoree Jackson, cornerback for the Titans, getting dropped. And or Adoree Jackson himself, not very fantasy relevant, but... We talked about it with Frazier when he was on the podcast, that cornerback role that's been so productive in Tennessee where Logan Ryan had that top DB season, Malcolm Butler had a top five season. And we were trying to figure out who would fill that role if they don't if they don't go a different avenue. And Adoree Jackson was one of those guys. Now he's gone. Another one of those guys was Desmond King, and he went to the Texans. So now we're down to one guy, and it's the guy Frazier brought up, Christian Fulton. I think this guy is probably worthy of a stash because if they, if they, I mean, I feel like they have to add some stuff with, with who they're losing here, but as a, as a low stash, uh, Christian Fulton, if you were to get that role, we've seen the production from it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Year after year, those, that role has been so tackle heavy that uh, it really, why not take a chance, especially if your team starts a cornerback position? Like, oh, yeah. Like, that's a slam dunk. Pick him up and uh, hope that and keep an eye out for who they draft because it's going to be coming. Yep. I have to imagine in cornerback leagues, that has to just be the godsend, that Titans cornerback spot because it's such an advantage over every other corner that's out there. So Yeah, definitely. Okay, another one. Elshon Jeffrey. This one's... Honestly, kind of sad. Just watching the fall of his career, you know, he had those couple seasons in Chicago where he was borderline wide receiver one, wide receiver two, but he only played 16 games three times over nine years. It, the injuries have plagued him. Being in Philly has kind of plagued him. It, I I think we both probably agree that it's over for Elshon. Yeah, definitely. It it was really sad to watch. It just seemed like year after year, um, it was like. You just like see him age greatly after each season, like like drop in that production after being like one of the top wide receivers, like in the league. It seemed yeah. like at the time, so it, it seemed like it happened so fast, and now it it seems like it's over. Mm-hmm. Okay, one more. Philip Lindsay not coming back to Denver. Interesting player, maybe not. <laughs> It wasn't as long as a fault grace from Alshon, but the do we still think he has something in the tank? I mean, he had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons to start his career. This past season, they bring in Melvin, and he deals with injuries. Not a very good year. Maybe a fresh start will, will bring him back to maybe something. Or are we? What do you th- What are your thoughts on Philip Lindsay? Uh, I I really hope that he'd find somewhere to to like have a chance, but he's got such a weird makeup where he's a smaller back but really doesn't catch passes out of the backfield so like it's really hard to find that fit in uh an offense um perhaps somewhere what comes to mind is the minnesota vikings if they want to bring him in and ah. just be a pure backup if anything were to happen to dalvin mm-hmm. then i could see him like regaining some fantasy relevance but it really is going to be there's going to be so many situations for him where it could just go horrible and he's not heard of this year. Yeah. I feel like best case scenario, he's in a committee backfield, probably the, the one B in that. So unfortunate, um, maybe he bounced back. I know he dealt with injuries this season, but uh, not, not great for Philip Lindsay. Well, that's a wrap folks. We had a ton to cover. We, hope we get a lot of information to you i know i even learned a lot along the way but um final thoughts anything for the folks josh uh not really um i'm really just uh appreciative that you asked me to come on and talk to you like you said um same here i learned a lot by talking through all this stuff so and uh yeah it was a good time and i'm excited to see what you do with the podcast i'm always listening and um there's not a lot of podcasts out there that cover like the offensive and defensive side like you've yeah like done so um yeah just i'm excited to see what you do with it thank you yeah that was pretty much what i was aiming at here just i see too many podcasts where 
I, I watched, I listened to the first five minutes and it's just not talk about something I don't really care about. Um, and there's not a lot of podcasts that cover IDP or if they do, it's just solely IDP. So this felt like a nice mix of a lane that I haven't really seen taken. And I hope, hope we can grow through this. Um, I'm excited to get to draft season. It's right around the corner. Uh, the next pod, we got some free agents that are still to see where they go. Juju, Kenny Galladay. So we'll hopefully cover that if they land somewhere, but yeah, thanks for coming on everyone. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback for me or anything, feel free to, to, to message me. Um, I'm at keel pro 88 on Twitter. I switched it, uh, figured I'd go with the brand. So, but yeah, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.